You're a busy provider trying to stay current with the latest HIV testing, prevention, and treatment guidelines, and your pockets are overflowing with note cards. You need a convenient, trustworthy source for HIV testing, treatment, prevention, and care protocols. All healthcare professionals have a role in stopping HIV. Introducing HIV Care Tools from the AIDS Education and Training Center program. The HIV Care Tools mobile app is simple, free, and fully functional offline or online. It features quick guides for HIV prevention, screening, testing, diagnosis, and treatment. HIV Care Tools provides common clinical calculators used in HIV management and provide validated screening tools for comorbidities such as depression, substance use disorders, and PTSD. And if you need clinician-to-clinician consultation, HIV Care Tools provides one-touch access to free clinical consultation services by a multidisciplinary team of experts. Take us with you. Download HIV Care Tools today. Welcome to Nika in the Know, a podcast for healthcare providers in the HIV field. I'm Mariana Brayman. Today, I'm sitting down with John Farragon to talk about recent changes in CDC guidelines regarding the COVID-19 pandemic. Welcome again, John. Thanks, Mariana. Happy to be back. So, John, what's the latest with the CDC guidelines? They're constantly changing. So what do providers need to know as of now? Yeah, so Marianne, I thought what I would do, what I do today, just review just the CDC guidance. We, I know we've talked about the NIH guidelines, and those are kind of the treatment guidelines. And this, <clears throat> this is kind of along those lines, but this is more the CDC uh, COVID nineteen guidance, and it's really to help people better understand, you know, what their risk is, and also how to help people protect themselves and others, and uh, what actions they should take if they're exposed to COVID nineteen. And then what actions to take if they're sick or test positive for the virus. So in the very beginning, if you remember back, you know, we relied heavily on these guidelines before we had vaccines because there was certainly a lot of people getting sick and, and the guidance was constantly changing. We used to have to look at it for even contact tracing. Uh, but a lot of this information, I think, is really helpful. You know, while the COVID-19 uh, um, continues to circulate globally, there's significantly less risk of severe illness, obviously, in the United States and hospitalizations are, are down and deaths are down compared to earlier in the pandemic. One thing I do want to say, it's about four, between four and 500 deaths per day still, though. So the numbers are still pretty significant. And, um, you know, it's not nothing to be minimizing, but, you know, obviously, you know, it's important for us to kind of review these guidelines. Got it. So what can you tell us about the exact changes? Yeah, so I'll go through specifically some of the big changes, but they're obviously still concerned about COVID-19. Um, you know, there's definitely some shifts in, in what we're doing uh, in this recent update, which I think are helpful, especially as we start sending kids back to school. Now, just to give everybody a clear sense, this was uh, uh, this data uh, is from uh, mid to late August of 2022. So when you listen to this podcast, you may find that there's new information that that's out there. And, you know, things may change, too. You never really know what's going to happen. So I encourage you to make sure that what you're listening to when you listen to us Make sure you know that you know this is in August, middle of August of 2022 when we wrote this. So the CDC is continuing to promote the importance of being up to date with vaccinations. I think that's the most important thing. We've we've said it every every time we've talked about COVID, uh, protect people against serious illness, hospitalizations, and deaths. And, and you know the guidelines uh, stress that. And clearly, this is this the, they work. This is the key. You know we've said it from the start, and I can tell you from the vast majority of people, even in the hospital. Uh, today with COVID-19 and, and, the, and the most severe people, severe disease, it remains those people who, who are unvaccinated. So again, stay protected by getting your vaccination. 
Uh, and if you don't, if you can't get vaccinated, obviously you can get you can get Evusheld, and there's other things that we can do for you to protect you. So protection provided by the current vaccine uh, against symptomatic infection and transmission is less uh, than that against severe disease, and certainly does diminish over time. And now we have some of the bivalent, bivalent vaccines that are out now, which are Omicron um, specific as, as well. But especially against these new circulating variants, these, these vac vaccinations do work. For this reason, it's really important to stay up to date, especially as new vaccines become available. Um, and this is the key, stay up to date. And if you're due for a vaccine, get it. And I would argue that most of you who are out there probably today, probably had your primary series, you probably had your two shots, and then you probably had at least one booster, maybe two, uh, depending if you're immunocompromised or you're over 50. But if you got that first booster, which is your third shot, right, you probably got it probably last year around October, November, December, right? It's probably around this time. So most people are probably about a year out. So now's the time, you know, everybody's going to be all those people, if you've already got the primary series, you'll be eligible for that, um, uh, for that bivalent booster. I encourage you to get it. So if you happen to be a person not up to date on COVID-19 vaccines and you, on, on what to do if somebody's exposed to COVID-19, uh, this is very, very consistent with the, uh, with the existing guidance um, uh, for people who are up to date on, on COVID-19 vaccines. So it's very similar, very similar situations. What about current quarantine guidelines, whether it be for folks who've been exposed to COVID-19 or those who have actually contracted the virus? Yeah, so the CDC recommends right now that instead of quarantine, if you're exposed to uh, COVID-19, that you wear a high quality mask for 10 days and get tested on day five. All right, so this is if you're exposed. Someone in your family, they have COVID, you don't need to test right away. They tell you to take a mask on, wear a high quality mask for 10 days and get tested on day five. Um, CDC also is reiterating that regardless of vaccination status, you should also isolate from others when you have COVID-19. So if you're actually diagnosed with COVID-19, even if you're vaccinated and you know you may have a mild case, you really should make sure you're isolating uh, from others. And you should you should also isolate if you're sick and suspect that you have COVID-19 but do not have test results. That's a common one. Some people are saying, "Well, I'm going to wait to test, but I don't feel good." Well, if you think you have COVID and you have all the symptoms, you really should probably be isolating uh, and making sure you're not getting other people sick, or at the very least, wear a mask. Um, and if your retest results are positive follow the CDC's full isolation recommendations. And if you're negative, you, you know, can obviously at that point, you can end, end your isolation. In addition, Mariana, this is important. If you test positive for COVID-19, the CDC still, CDC still recommends that, that you stay home for at least five days and isolate from others in your home. Um, you're likely most infectious during those first five days. Uh, uh, They're still recommending a high quality mask if you must be around other people uh, at home or, or in public. But again, if after five days you're fever free for at least 24 hours without the use of medication and your symptoms are improving or you never had symptoms, you may end isolation after that day five. And that's the important thing. So the important number here is, is five days if you actually do test positive for COVID. <clears throat> again, fever free, for fever free for 24 hours, you can come out of isolation. Regardless of when you end isolation, avoid being around people who are more likely to get sick from COVID-19 until at least day 11. So let's say if somebody in your family is immunocompromised, or for example, for me, I'm working in the hospital setting and we may be dealing with patients who are transplants or patients who are HIV infected, obviously immunocompromised, uh, potentially even HIV patients, if they have you know, low T cells, we wanna make sure that we're avoiding those patients uh, uh, for, for a total of um, 11 days. And again, high quality masks through day 10. So these are the current guidelines, again, for, for masking, 
um, somewhat from masking, but more importantly on, on isolation, the five versus the 10 or 11 days. And I think it's pretty clear from the CDC. I think it's really a five day, a five day thing for most people. Uh, if you have, if you have COVID-19, you know, isolate for five days and then, you know, there's some different scenarios where you may want to isolate for longer, depending on who you're around. Have the guidelines changed in relation to those who are immunocompromised or have a weakened immune system? Yeah, so that's important too. I kind of alluded to this, but the CDC also recommends that if you get if you have shortness of breath or have had difficulty breathing, hospitalized due to COVID-19, or if you have a weakened immune system, you need to isolate through day 10. So immunocompromised patients are a little bit different. So how do you determine that? That's really the hard part, right? I think patients who have HIV who have normal CD4 cells, you could argue either way. I think some people would say, you know, you're HIV infected, but your T cells are good, you're probably going to be fine. Although to make people feel comfortable, you may still do 10 days. Definitely definitely transplant patients or uh, patients who are on rheumatoid arthritis, for example, on a lot of steroids, for example. And these things are going to immunosuppress the patient. They really should do a 10-day isolation. Uh, for, for, for severe illness or those who, with a weakened immune system, really you should really cons consult your doctor before ending your isolation. And they should have some guidance on, on, on what to do. Um, any of the isolation without a viral test may not be an option for you. Uh, if you're unsure if your symptoms are moderate or severe, or if you do have a weakened immune system, really talk to your healthcare provider uh, for further guidance. So again, a lot of times we're talking here on these podcasts to healthcare providers, but you know, if you happen to be listening and you're a patient, these are, this is some guidance for you as well. Uh, clarifying uh, that you've actually ended isolation, you're, you're, uh, if your COVID symptoms worsen, restart your isolation at day zero. So this is a perfect example where somebody feels better at day seven, and all of a sudden at day eight, they start to get shortness of breath again, and they don't feel well, you really should re-kind re of isolate yourself um, and restart your, your clock at day zero. John, any final thoughts as we begin to wrap up? Yeah, so this is one of our one of our quick ones that we've done. Uh, but again, I think most importantly, we're going to recommend screening testing of asymptomatic people uh, if they have known exposures. Uh, that's going to no longer be recommended in most community settings. So screening testing, so the, the so in asymptomatic people, just kind of blanketly screening people, we're not doing that anymore unless they have a known exposure. If you have a known exposure, then definitely you want to get tested. Uh, physical distancing is just one component of how to protect yourself and others, but it is important to consider that the risk. Uh, of a particular setting, including local COVID-19 community levels, and the important role of ventilation when assessing that need uh, to remain physical distance, you know, remains an important piece. So really, we need to make sure we're also looking at our local COVID numbers. Uh, you know, if there's, if there's an outbreak where you are, you know, this may make you do things a little bit differently. But again, the important piece is um, considering um, you, you know your individual risk and in your in your individual setting of where you're actually working or where you're actually actually living uh, based on based on the current COVID numbers. John, thanks so much for joining us and telling us about the latest on the CDC guidelines in relation to the COVID-19 pandemic. We really hope you learned something new today. To learn more about Nika AATC's work and our role in ending the HIV epidemic, visit us at www.nikaatc.org. That's www.nekaatc.org. If you have questions or comments about anything we covered today, or if you have suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us talk about, don't hesitate to email us at podcast at nikaatc.org. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at nikaatc.org. Stay safe and we'll see you on Thursday for our next episode of Nika in the Know.
This presentation is supported by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.